is Charlie Caruso and I'm the editor and co-author of the upcoming book, Understanding Why. And I'm delighted to be joined today for Understanding Why's first recorded podcast by the beautiful Jane Anderson. Jane, thanks for having a chat with me today. My pleasure. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Now, for everyone listening, believe this or not, uh, despite emailing uh, over six months um, and co-writing a book together, uh, this is actually the first time Jane and I have ever spoken. <laughs> so before we get into the book, though, um, Jane, would you like to introduce yourself and give everyone a bit of a background about uh, yourself? Yeah, sure. So my background is I've worked in learning and development for large organisations and um, since leaving, I've become a career counsellor. So um, my background was marketing, actually, while I was there and then in learning and development, but now I work in career development. So I help um, people progress their careers, whether it's within an organisation or I help them transition out or be able to um, promote themselves to employers. Um, we do a lot of social media type work where we do LinkedIn, personal branding, thought leadership, um, and lots of um, uh, helping people sort of stand out in the market, I guess. Um, I do a lot of work in perception management, so within organisations where I coach people, um, they might be perceived as not being very nice or um, some of those types of things, so I help them help them learn some skills to be able to change perception in the organisation or um, to be build relationships and those types of things. Which has been um, a really great uh, you know, insight for you to be the contributor to the book because you know, you've mentioned that Gen Y have a branding issue. <laughs> yes, they do. I would say, though, that you do get uh, – what I do find, though, with Gen Y is that they are prepared to work really quite hard and to make it work. So um, so I think that um, there are some organisations that that is big, that perception is amplified and some organisations where it's it's probably not as much, and that would be large organisations. I do a lot of consulting work in large organisations. Um, you know, say, for example, in oil and gas, a you know, very fast-moving type industry, um, highly reactive, and I find that type of environment is quite suited to Gen Y. There's a lot of challenge and fast-paced and thinking on your feet, and they progress kind of quickly. The perception management in that type of industry and um, organisation isn't as amplified as perhaps in a traditional um, a type of large organisation, say a consulting firm or something like that. And so, I mean, that and all of this is very interesting, which is why I hope everyone will find the book interesting. Um, but do you think that this is something that is certainly the idea that Gen Y have a branding issue? <laughs> Do you, do you think that that's true or do you think that there's potentially a perception issue or a, an overjudgment from others, you know, other generations and the one that we're just probably not aware of and, or not caring about or not, you know, applying to the established rules? Now, I I think, yes, there's a perception issue, but I think at all levels, whether I work with baby boomers and, and, and Gen X, I think at the heart of every human being is that we all want to achieve our potential mm-hmm. in the work that we do. And for Gen Y, they have the ability and the um, and they've come through using a lot of technology and those types of things and being able to um, learn quickly and move quickly. So um, I think that the perception comes from I want to achieve my potential and I want to achieve it quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the the challenge for organisations is understanding the coaching and mentoring piece that comes with that to make that happen. Sure. So, um, and the facilitation of that conversation, I think, is where the gap is. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with with you from certainly from doing a lot of the research for understanding why. Um, I have sort of come to believe that one of the biggest challenges going forward for industry around the world, Mm. um, I mean, people might say it's because baby boomers aren't retiring um, and there's no Mm -hmm. gap in the market. But I sort of feel like there is, I haven't seen evidence of large scale, um, you know, joining of the knowledge experience um, and, you know, the IP even of the baby Mm. boomers and what they have to bring and matching that with the Gen Y cohort who genuinely seems to want that mentorship and and I sort of feel like if if businesses do not uh, leverage from their baby what baby boomers have to give before they retire and what Gen Y need and are looking for if that sort of facilitation of that mentorship as you said is Mm. is not going to occur well they're they're going to be the businesses that one don't attract Generation Y. Um, Absolutely. And there are organisations who have done that really, some have done it well, but they're few and far between. Like if you look at, say, Victorian Police, um, they built a coaching and mentoring model when they identified they had a large group of um, senior managers who would be leaving the organisation. So they gave them coaching and mentoring training so that not only as they left the organisation, they would have some skills to be able to use that out in the world, Mm -hmm. but also they could call them back in when needed to be able to um, do the coaching and mentoring kind of as consultants coming back, that's in part time. And I think that that's that's really clever and yet I don't see a lot of that happening. I see, you know, a lot of big businesses saying, hey, I don't know how to attract Gen Y and, you know, because the reality is if they're not, if businesses aren't attracting Gen Y, Gen Y will turn into their competitors on their own or they will join their competitors. And, you know, Mm. but at the same point in time, that's all great to be focusing on Gen Y, but there are the baby boomers who um, I certainly know many um, of my parents' generations and and friends who are, you know, have lost their um, love and passion for a job that they've probably been in 10 years Mm. because they're not feeling like they're, able to pass on that knowledge or that anyone cares and yes. you know they they then sort of lose their you know it, it's an awful thing to go to work and and sort of feel like you're just that person that's there to fill the space and they can't really fire you yet and you're just oh. back fighting the time and instead of being able to you know um help out and, and use the knowledge that they've basically that the company's invested in them for however many years yes. um so it's an interesting because, you know, I, I do see a lot of that complaints from the, the baby boomer generation mm-hmm. in that, oh, well, the organisation's so focused on getting these young people in, but they're not focused on trying to get some of the, the knowledge that, you know, can't be taught at school, yes. um, you know, from from me and, and from my um, peers. So it's, yeah, it's it's a multifaceted issue, I think, that we've got, but uh, as it always is when generational problems is, which is nothing really new, is it? No, that's right. And I think challenges for organisations are also around the, you know, particularly in large organisations is that whole mapping, talent mapping exercise. Mm-hmm. It's to kind of really understand the talent that is within an organisation and to match 
that expertise with people who are trying to fill a skills gap as well because as opposed to I uh, will just book training in and we'll just send this bunch of you know team on a training course well training isn't always the solution That's to right. get in a provider and and um, you know I think something I, I put in the book was um, something that a, a consulting firm in the US are doing called ITS that they're doing with Google and they're creating this dashboard for um because uh, they know that a typical Gen Y team member is sitting at the in their Outlook or Gmail, whatever, and they're working away and the email comes in from a recruiter from LinkedIn mm-hmm. and they say, of course, somebody who works at Google is going to be a high-target team member. Mm-hmm. Say, this recruiter is looking for somebody for Yahoo or it could be a recruiter from Yahoo or another, you know, Facebook or whoever. And so they know they're competing with that inbox for the Gen Y team member to feel like they're achieving their potential. So mm-hmm. so this is where the whole anti-plan comes in is that it's not about a plan, it's about feeling like I'm achieving my potential. Mm-hmm. So will that offer that comes in my inbox help me feel like I'm achieving my potential? Mm-hmm. And then so what Google have identified is that, you know what, we know we're competing with recruiters coming in and offering these opportunities. So... Um, what can so what they've what they've done is they've said when they recruit or when they're doing they have gotten really heavily into their talent management dashboard, and so the emails that now come through to their team members will be, um, hi there, um, Matt. Um, I, we noticed that on your learning and development plan, we noticed that you're interested in learning a bit more about PHP or negotiating or whatever it might be. We'd really like to introduce you to Mary. Mary's joined the organisation. She's got over 20 years' experience in. We thought mm-hmm. that it would be really worth you having a, a chat with Mary. She's identified that she's happy to be a mentor. Here's the introduction. Would you guys like to catch up? And see, that's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> that's I, I use uh, Google a lot of the time. Mm. Um, to mm. be that, and I think they are, and they they're happy to be that poster child for the. Yeah. the changing dynamics and the changing needs and wants of Gen Y in terms of um, their career satisfaction. And I think um, I, I also think that the idea of a career has sort of gone down the toilet a little bit for Gen Y. Yes. I mean, you might disagree, but, you know, I sort of feel like, and I know you mentioned uh, in the book about the idea of a portfolio career. Actually, I might get you mm. to explain that and then I'll go on to my point. So you mentioned in the book about the idea of a portfolio career. Uh, mm. Could you explain to everyone what, what you meant and how that applies to Gen Y? Yeah, sure. So a, a portfolio career is where a person essentially has two careers in them or two, two jobs. So um, to give an example, I have – or two or more. So they're sometimes called slashes as well. So they could be a photographer slash writer slash um, right. coach. Yep. Or it could be, you know, they, they've kind of got um, – a, a, and I always say, you know, people have an asset base of skills that they can sell in exchange for money. Yep. And that asset base could mean that you do that through three different channels or it could be two. Um, and to give an example, I have a, a, had a client who she really uh, enjoyed her her admin well, – she, she worked in admin three days a week and she really liked the people that she worked with. But creatively, she felt really unfulfilled, mm-hmm. and she. But she um, is a milliner, and so she makes hats ready for the Melbourne Cup every November. 
Right. So it takes her a year to build the range because she works two days a week and that's her creative space to just go into her world and build the range and she's got a website and all those types of things. And um, But she doesn't like doing it all the time because she feels very isolated and alone. It's a bit too much time by herself. So she gets to be creative and then she gets to go back to her other job three days a week and connect with all the people that she likes working with and use the other asset or skill base that she has that she can sell. So she gets the best of both worlds and it's she didn't need to go and start her whole life all over again or change and become a whole new career and go back to uni and do all these things. It was just, okay, what options are there that you can make them both viable? Um, the challenge with having a portfolio career is that you have to be really good at time management. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, because your head can jump. You can be in one space and you're thinking about the other and one space and thinking about the other. So, um, but yeah, it takes, it just takes a little bit of um, real skill with time management. And sometimes I often, for somebody who has a portfolio career, I'll often either coach them in time management or get somebody else to work with them on just, um, it's almost like an onboarding kind of process because it's a very different world and they have to be able to compartmentalize a little bit in their in their in their mind. But I think what's interesting <laughs> about this transition, um, because whether it's you can place it in the Gen Y hands or whether it's it's a little bit it's more of a change of you know perception of career, I certainly feel that Gen Y embodies the change of how we perceive the a career in our lives or work and I think mm. career has been thrown out by Gemma I think for the it used to be and this is again this is hard for me to really know because I am in nothing but a Gen Y but mm-hmm. I think it used to be you work for um stability and for money and you know you you sort of drag your feet nine to five for as long as you're lucky to be employed um, to put food on the table and, you know, you're almost a martyr for the family because you have to do this awful job that you hate and, you know, yes. and it's this, it was, I could almost picture, you know, pub scenes or, you know, um, family barbecues be a, you know, a sort of who has the worst job and who has it worse kind of competition <laughs> you wow. know, in, in times gone by. Whereas I do feel with Gen Y, we sort of, I don't know whether it's because it probably has a lot to do with our upbringing and being taught that, you know, we can reach for the stars and all that sort of stuff. Because, yeah. you know, I've I personally have never seen or had that relationship or an opinion of of a career in terms of it's you you have a career because it's what makes you money and you know it's it's always been for me you do what you love to do and mm. you don't have to work uh, you know a day in your life and yeah um, I think a lot not all, but a lot of Gen Ys that I know have taken on that um, that opinion. And, and you know what, it, it, you are at work for a long time. And so I sort of, yeah. for me anyway, I never had the pressure to feel like I had to do the uni to get into that job that go, you go on for five years and you do all that sort of stuff. I sort of felt like, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but I'm okay with that and I'll just let things go and see how it goes. And perhaps that's because we live in Australia and Australia we've got it pretty good probably. Yes. Um, that I wasn't under any financial pressures to sort of figure it out, but I've always worked. Mm-hmm. And I think that I never – I still don't know what I'm doing really. <laughs> you know, I still doesn't feel like I've actually – I'm still at uni. It's yeah. my last year, but yeah. I still – 
haven't feel like I've actually started work because everything that I'm doing is just fun and awesome and I love it and it's an extension of you know me really you yeah and so which makes it really hard when you're introduced to someone and they ask you what you do (laughs) because kind of do a lot of things and so it's it's (laughs) it's not even a slash like I kind of just yeah you know I get to the point that I say I just like to talk and write yes that's what I do (laughs) which you know doesn't fit those existing paradigms of about Mm. career and and your your job and and because and while I don't think I'm every Gen Y and and why I don't think that this then my circumstance and my example is just Gen Y either. I think that it sort of carries over and blurs. Yes. Um, I do think that the the time that Gen Y have, you know, become of age, so to speak, has also been the idea where we've sort of thrown away, um, you know, you, you want a lord, you know, career, then you start at the bottom and you get, you know, treated horribly. And if you're lucky, you one day become, you know, a partner and, Yes. You know, because I think Gen Y don't look at jobs as that's to do with money. It's more about that's what I want to do because it makes me happy and it's what I'm happy doing. Um, obviously, money comes into it at some point, and I think it's also very hard for me to say these words, knowing full well in Spain, you know, Gen Y have the highest um, mm. unemployment rates and, and it's, yes. you know, rampant throughout Europe. And so those, those Gen Y probably listening to me and thinking, oh, it's all right for you in Australia. We just want a job, which is true for, you know, a lot of Gen Y. They're the highly most most educated generation to exist and yet we're the most unemployed. That's right. Um, But, you know, and and going back to your chapter as well, there is the idea that Gen Y are also the uh, generation of entrepreneurs, which is a funny little label. Gen Y (laughs) got lots of labels, but it's a funny one because I don't actually think that it's completely true. And you've mentioned something in there. What are your thoughts on Gen Y being the entrepreneurial cohort? Yeah, I think think you made a good point about the work you do as an extension of yourself. And um, and a lot of of work that we see with people, it's very tied to identity, I think, in uh, what I noticed with Gen Y compared to some of the others. And so how that shows up is that I think the difference that has happened probably in the last like, 10, 15 years is the amount of choice that we have. And so when we have so many choices, we start to sort of hone in on, well, who am I and why am I here and what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I don't know what the plan is, but I just know that this is right for me, like you said, with your writing. And and um, and so I think with... Um, uh, in relation then to uh, or to the entrepreneurial side of it is that I think because the research tells us that Gen Y are those who are most aspire to be being entrepreneurs, but they are the least likely to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're saying is right. What I see is that it's linked to with so much choice, the questions come up around identity, purpose, and why am I here? And so then it's like, well, how would I, how would I make that commercial? And um, and I think there's the question of that, and I think there's certainly the aspiration of that. But I hear, oh, one day, or times are a bit tough, or you know, there's a there's definitely a lot of fear around it, and particularly because, as you say, there's that cluster that also are the highest unemployed. You know, yeah. 
see it every day. And even for, you know, I have a team of writers that work for me, resume writers, LinkedIn profile writers, and, and, um, and somebody very early in their career is the hardest profile to write. Sure. <laughs> because um, the cut through that we've got to get for a client, you know, so we'll, you know, if we work with a, a senior executive, you know, they've got lots of experience that we can draw on yep. and play with. But, you know, that that younger age group, um, to position them and market them in the competition that's out there. And also we've had so many jobs cut, particularly I'm in Queensland. So mm. um, we had 15,000 jobs cut in 2012 from the public service. So you have this shunting effect mm. of people who are senior managers who have been made unemployed then start to look at middle manager roles Middle manager roles start to look at frontline manager roles. Sure. Frontline manager roles. So you end up with this shunting right back. And the people who um, are most affected by that are the long-term unemployed or people with a, a, a smaller amount of experience. Mm-hmm. So we end up with this pool of, of a really high rate of unemployment in that age group because of the amount of experience. And it's, it's much harder to sell, sell themselves. So we have to find other ways to be able to do that. And not everybody has that um, understanding of being able to look for, well, how can I draw on all these other skills like volunteer work? I think we talk about in the book and um, how that's perceived in an employer's mind. You know, we try to find other ways, but certainly in that particular uh, age group and Gen Y, the unemployment, it's, it's just such an interesting dynamic that the unemployment rate is so high. Um, but the aspiration to be entrepreneurs mm. is really high, but it's not happening. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of um, resources that come with that, you know, to be able to bundle that too. Well, I think it comes back to the Maslow's um, hierarchy needs uh, mm. because, you know, certainly when I was listening to you talk then, I was thinking, well, I'm probably quite far up that little pyramid to be able to be mm-hmm. in a position to think, well, you know, I might just write a book this year. And you know what? I didn't even, that that didn't actually even come across my mind, truth be told, when I had the idea of the book. It was, was, there wasn't even the thought process about should this be something I do? Is this something I want to do? It was, I I genuinely, and I I speak about this in the beginning of the book, I genuinely woke up with the words understanding why in my head and this idea, obviously I'd been thinking about it overnight and, um, you know, made you know, the first few phone calls and, you know, very luckily, you know, within the first month while we were on board and without really any sort of book being written at all. Um, I was, you know, the story of how Understanding Why I came to be is very unique, I think. But, yeah. You know, amazing. very fortunate and I'm in the position to be able to, the fact that I, you know, don't have to work a nine-to-five job to bring in money to put it on. I'm not under all of those pressures. So those certain needs are, are being met so that I can have the opportunity to do what I've done. And I think that is absolutely true with regard to, you know, not everyone and certainly not everyone and those including the unemployed Gen Y are, um, you know, have certain needs met so that they can, you know, fulfil their aspirations. But I think, you know, I'm not sure. I, I actually find it difficult that so many people use the word entrepreneur and I do just a lot of the time because it's just easier to to define what I do by saying that because it's yes. just too hard otherwise. Yes. Um, but I do feel like there is this association with being an entrepreneur even though you're really not 
and a lot of what we discuss in the book and the idea that Gen Y are full of that beautiful youthful optimism and um, as you as you touched on aspiration and desire and and drive but not always sometimes not always the skills to take it to the next level and a lot of the time not always the opportunity to um, the difference between those who I feel are entrepreneurs in the, in this uh, space are the ones that do it anyway and find and find the the yes. answers and find the solutions and you know if they're shunted out like you mentioned and I had the visualization as you were talking about you know that Venn diagram we're, we're taught at school oh. and these these outliers that get pushed out to the yes. outside of it but there's nothing to say that you know those outliers can't service you know, and make our own community on the outside um, and fill in the gaps that, you know, that the existing Venn didn't. And um, yes. and I think that that is happening in in a lot of ways. There's a lot of evidence that that's happening where, where Gen Y are um, sort of filling gaps and, and because of the internet and LinkedIn and things like that, where yes. we have the ability to connect to people around the world we never or previous generations certainly never did. It is happening, but it's it's probably not happening as much as people might perceive because those one or two, you know, Gen Y outliers who are, are making it happen seem to catch the attention of the media. Yes. Whereas the general consensus of those individuals who just, you know, have the aspirations and the desire to want to achieve anything because that's what they've been brought up to think. Yes but are struggling with the opportunity side of things and the the traction to get that momentum happening. And I think that that probably is closer to the truth of what is the reality of the situation, yeah. less about Gen Y just innately being entrepreneurial and, you know, we're all the next Mark Zuckerbergs because I think that there is a very, as there always has been entrepreneurs, I also don't think that it's a uniquely Y thing. I think, you know, you look at Branson's, you look at the Trumps, you look, well, I don't know so much about the Trumps, but certainly the Branson's a great one um, of, you know, not being born into money and making it happen. And, mm. you know, so I don't necessarily think entrepreneurship is, is you know, forward. It's, it's not necessarily yeah. a, a why thing, but it's becoming one of those um, misunderstood labels that get slapped all over Gemma. And I think also it creates this sort of feeling like if you are a member of the Gemma and you're not, entrepreneurially minded and you don't have your own business it's almost like well maybe I'm not you know if everyone else is so great at this why and time this almost a disconnect between the the labels the positive sides of the labels as well because if they're inaccurate then it's it's unattainable yes so I've gone on a long sort of mm. right off on a tangent oh. um but it's it is really interesting and your chapter is is titled the anti-plan masters um, because you you know you discussed that the fact that Gen Y are as we've been discussing um, take an alternate approach to their careers. Mm. What do you think is probably the most misunderstood uh, facet of the Y cohort? That's a great question. I think the most misunderstood um, aspect is it really comes back to the coaching mentor gap, as in I think it's around direction and, and support and also um, guidance. So um, I think what I see is that for Gen Y, the, the, I see the drive there and I see the ambition and and the perception that, oh, they want everything now and if it's not happening now, then they're frustrated. And I say, well, you know, that actually happens at all generations. 
it just really means that from a, a, an organizational perspective where we need to adapt our training, coaching, mentoring for them to be able to get the best out of them. So um, I think the the perception is as a result of organizations not knowing what to do mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, and also just back on the entrepreneurial side that I see is, you know, that perception is that they all want to be Mark Zuckerberg's um, is I think part of the challenge is that there, I don't see a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs or you know business owners that necessarily mentor Gen Ys as well who want to go into that space. Mm-hmm. So because it, the reality is for, it, for somebody to do that, it's very expensive. Yeah. You know, who is going to pull away from their business to mentor people coming into startups and things like that? You know, they're going to make more money out of their own business than they will trying to mentor somebody. So um, there, I think there's a that's where a bit of a gap is too, um, in terms of where where do you learn those skills? Um, uh, because the organisations are starting to catch on to the the coaching mentoring, but for them to have a more entrepreneurial side to themselves, um, they have to kind of learn that the hard way a little bit. So. Um, I think the other thing too is the gap that the um, is you know is around the flexibility which we talk about in the book, and that is that that um, it's all about them, and I think there's that perception too. So, um, and I I don't necessarily see that it's true. I think my experience is that I've worked in organisations where at least 80% of the staff have been Gen Y, and I I certainly see uh, really hard work um but i think the challenge for the mentors and coaches is to help align that with my identity and vision and purpose and why i'm here and my potential so that i can be entrepreneurial in my own role not necessarily feeling like i have to leave the organization to do it yeah i i absolutely agree with with all of your sentiments there i think you know there's quite a few different things that you touched on but you know, I think there is that gap, absolutely, in terms of, you know, if you are a big, busy executive and, yeah, I, to mentor someone, that's that's taking time, it's potentially costing Ooh. money. But it's also a, an old school way of thinking because the reality is there will come a day where you will retire and if you haven't invested that time, then, Ooh. you know, your capacity to have a sustainable business is, is yeah. much, uh, you know, is, is affected negatively. So I that's think it's... Right. It's got a, and I think it is in some ways. But again, you'd you'd be a lot. You're at the coal phase, and you'd have a lot more um, understanding of whether this is actually happening. But I think that you know the idea of that this isn't just something you have to do. It's it's an investment. It's it's a sensible strategy for you know um, people retiring at a later date and the change management involved in that. Um, I happen to think Gen Y and Baby Boomers make the br- a brilliant team together. I think. Mm. Um, you know, Gen Y have certainly have the energy and the ability to, you know, think outside the box, as do all generations. But Gen Y have certain skill set and certain tools available to them that, you know, while I don't necessarily believe that they're, ne- they're more tech sa- savvy than, you know, a four-year-old with an iPad, because quite frankly, that's impressive. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> we have been brought up with it, certainly at the end of our high school. We In high school, we typically would, you know, submit assignments on the computer. So it's something that we've been 
used to for a long time. And so it's, it's, we're comfortable, I suppose. And when you're comfortable with something, it, it's like second nature. And I yes. think that level of being, you know, connected and, and, and tech, uh, I don't know, it's sort of digitally native or whatever they call it, um, is, is useful and helpful, but also, you know, that, that can only be really powerful when it's married with that mentorship, with that baby boomer and, you know, pragmatism perhaps um mm. with you know i i a lot of the time <laughs> describe myself as that little puppy like excitable mm-hmm. little puppy and you know i've got a lot of energy and i and i'll do anything that i you know that i'm set to do and i'll give it my best and but i'll very mm. quickly get into the next thing if there isn't you know a challenge or if it's not yes. keeping me interested and that's where we get that perception that you know we have no loyalty or um, but I think also loyalty is a load of crock because if people, if businesses really believed in loyalty, they wouldn't get rid of, you know, employees that they've had for 20 odd years because, yeah. you know, they're too expensive. I think the idea of loyalty is, is very hypocritical. Um, but, you know, we get that idea that we, we have no attention span and we kind of don't, but that's how we've been conditioned. And, yes. you know, certainly now with social media and you touched on that at the beginning, uh, which is sort of enabling that, you know, quick communication, instant gratification, sort of I just want the bullet points and that's all I want to do um, approach. And I think it, it bodes well with Gen Y who have just so much they want to do and and they mm. want to be involved. And But baby boomers do bring that ability to say, well, hang on, I've been here. Yes. Let's just take it back a minute and let's think about what we're doing. And, and the, you know, whether that sounds condescending or not, um, certainly for me, and I can't vouch for the entire Gen Y cohort, but certainly for me, that is a really um, comforting thing. It's it's to be told, you know, just hold your horses for a second. Let's just yeah. get it, you know, because it's like I, I kind of want someone to rein me in. I um, oh. I surround myself with the opposite to me, which is the more pragmatic, more introverted, more, you know, methodical and disciplined, um, which typically in my experience have come from older generations and not mine. Yeah, well. Um, and so I think collectively we're a great team. It's just the question is, our industry is, is big business is going to to get that and understand and implement it, because the whole idea of workplace learning, well, we touch on it um, in several places in the book, but there's a certain thing, you know, tacit knowledge, which is knowledge that can't be taught in a textbook. It's mm. simply taught by being around someone. You can't tacit knowledge. An example is um, leadership. Yes. You know, you, you can't read the theory on how to be a leader. The only way to really understand leadership is to watch yes. a leader and to yes. be with a leader and, and, and sort of see and experience uh, what leadership is or isn't. Yep. Um, same as being, you know, when people say, oh, that person's a great salesman. Well, why right. and how? How can you teach that? Well, it's pretty hard. You've got to watch and listen and hear their reactions and because it's not just a one phone call, it's it's the repetitiveness and the ability to, you know, create a sale no matter what is thrown at you. And I think, you know, you can't teach that on a textbook no, in any not. other way. You can't go to, you know, a workplace learning seminar and, and get that. That is from just day-to-day being around those who, um, you know, display those skills. And that's why I think mentorship and, and a lot of what we've discussed today is going to be and have to be the future um, in this next 10 years while baby boomers are looking to transition into retirement, if, if, because they're kind of retire, uh, redefining retirement, 
Um, And as Gen Y try to get, you know, that that knowledge that quite frankly is there's no money to be put on it. It's, It's just it's so precious and it's but it's not even just their knowledge. We need their constant you know, I don't know. We Gen Y get told that they need constant feedback. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but we like it. It's good to yes. have. Conversation, what it's always been really, I found really, not shocking, but really interesting is how much interest is in this space in specific to Gen Y and, and everything. Because wow. I kind of feel like Gen Y aren't really that different. <laughs> and, exactly. I don't, and I don't really get why people make such a big deal about yeah. it because it, yeah. I genuinely think that there's no need to treat Gen Y any different than anyone else. It's not like we're aliens and we have a special language that we use. Yeah. I think it's just been constructed by the media that we're some kind of foreign, I don't know, <laughs> tweeting, Kardashian-loving cohort that makes no sense. And, and I think that, you know, all we are is a product of our time and, you know, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we have had different parents. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and, and Bernard hits hits the nail on the head in his first chapter and that, you know, we're it's always actually just been about the baby boomers and we just happen to be the children of the baby boomers. And wow. the baby boomers are who's different. They they made the difference. They still are redefining retirement. Um, they have made it about them. It's just, you know, it's we're the kids, we're the, the trophy kids of the baby boomers and... And I think the idea that industry can't don't get us, I think, well, I can kind of understand that because there is a definite difference in what we want and expect at work. But it ain't that hard. Just talk to us and find yes. out, like, <laughs> That's right. It's just engage. You yeah. know, I, was, um, I spoke at um, the Wealth Conference at the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago. Is a big thing that they have for Ray White every year. And... Um, and I gave the case study. A friend of mine owns a real estate agent over on, over at Redcliffe, which is over on the north northern peninsula of Brisbane. And um, he's Gen, or, you know, he's the same age as me, so seventy seven. We were born. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, in the entire in his in real estate, lots of Gen Y work in real estate. So they're property managers, and they have fairly high turnover. And in his business, he's he's a coach through and through. But what he does is, you know, in organisations, what happens with coaching is we have to map to competencies and we have to show a return on investment in competencies. Mm-hmm. Like we have to show, you know, what's linked to this capability and they've improved from here to here. And, and whereas in a smaller business like that, he has had no – he in the whole time he's had his business, which has been well over 12 years, He's not had a single team member leave to another agency mm-hmm. and the average team member stays for four years, wow. which is unheard of in real estate. Yeah. And all it is is because he works with the human being, yeah. not just the competencies. You know, they've, if it's they've had a tough time with their boyfriend, you know, we're taking for a coffee, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and it's about the person. And I think that's um, the shift is that mm. and the changes or hard for baby boomers to understand is can't you just come in and do your job? Yes, that and, is the shift. Absolutely. I think because from the Gen Y perspective, 
it's not it's insulting to say it's just a job because yes. we're doing something exactly it's not just a job for us it is exactly. it is us you know it's us just, it's who i am yeah, right. right and whether that's in real estate whether it's writing a book whether that's whatever check out chick if, if gen y do it and do it properly you know and engaged it's insulting to say that it's a job because they're putting exactly. themselves in it so that is on the in the gen y side um and they you know and i and i think that they and certainly from me in my perspective um we kind of want humans to be our bosses and not necessarily asking for special treatment but just human treatment and mm. You know, we're not saying that we, we need to be buddy buddies with our bosses. I think right. there's, there's a level of professionalism. But hang on, they, they can be a nice person and get me and know where I'm trying, whatever I'm trying to do and, you know, do things that will assist me and also work with the business. And I think that, you know, that personal touch that I think that makes absolutely the biggest difference in terms of how Gen Y perceive an employer or a business and certainly their loyalty. And it isn't yes. really that difficult to figure out. It's just a matter of, you know, know your people, know your stuff. You know, it's, it's really have conversations. You're not bigger, better than them. Yeah. Just just know them, know who you are. Because I think if you don't, you don't know your assets, your assets, your, right. your human resources, your number one asset. I don't care what business you're in yeah. because they're the ones that make the decisions that make you inevitably make you money. And I think... That is what needs to, and it's a very simple idea to get your head around. You know, That's right. when you were saying things about, oh, there has to be competencies in return on investment, I couldn't do your job for that reason because <laughs> to me, it would kill me because you could be really brilliant at what you do and you shouldn't have to justify it by numbers because yes. human relationships, certainly, and I feel that that's what you guys are specialists at, mm. human relationships isn't something that's quantitative it's qualitative and you know it's it's you know when you have a good consultant because there is evidence in just the workplace dynamic um don't necessarily need numbers to justify someone's worth yeah and i think that's a very what baby boomers were sort of drilled down to think that that's what they need to justify spend there needs to be you know as you said a return on investment and you need to see that but Whereas you look at Google and they, they take a different approach with pretty yeah. much everything. They see instead of there needs to be a return on investment, what does the opportunity cost? Yes, exactly. You know? And I think that's a refreshing shift into really taking the, the numbers and the coldness out of what is human relationships in yes. the basic you know end of it and, and looking at what is the, the cost of this human relationship if they left. And that That's is right. where I need to put money in or, or coax them to stay. Yeah. And it's not about giving them loads of money because that's the one thing that Gen Y aren't, well, again, I'm talking on my behalf, but it, certainly from research that I've seen, aren't driven towards. You know, it's it's a lot of it is about how socially conscious is this company. Um, yeah, yeah, well, even if I get somebody who brings up money because you get it a lot, with career work and yeah. yeah and I go okay so um uh think about uh, like the whole reason like uh, the half the reason why they're there seeing me is because they're already paid too well yeah. and they're staying in the job they hate yeah and so I say so how's that going for you <laughs> <laughs> because it, you know you're just going to do the same thing 
again and there's a sometimes a loop and that but that's at any level I find you know as you say for any generation I don't see that money is more important for Gen Y than any other generation um it's it's an even mix if I said for every 10 Gen Ys I see where they come in demanding that I'm not leaving here till I have a million dollars a year um I would say the spread is exactly the same regardless of generation. Wow. That's interesting. Mm. Which is refreshing because it, it validates the proposition that I never really have that Gen Y ain't that different. And, you know, we just, for whatever reasons, get different labels slammed on us, but we're genuinely not different. It's just we're young at a time at a different time and at a time that has different values on terms of money and making money and at what cost kind of values have changed. It's a shift in, in society and a shift in the fact that we actually think about where our clothes came from and is paying for a $2 shirt at big W or wherever. Yeah. Where does that come from? And what does that mean for the people that have made this? And do I need to pay $2 or am I fine paying $15? Cause it's probably closer to the value of it, you know? And while I certainly don't think everyone thinks that way, but there has been that, that shift in ideology that is even questioned. Yes. Um, that there is a thought on the, the wider scale impact on our decisions and, you know, we're just young at that time where there is that shift. And I think yes. it's not a generational shift. It's a it's a society shift. Yes. It's a cultural shift that we're young in. And and so I think that that's, you know, certainly what I found at the end of the, end of the day with the book is Gemini are just genuinely not different. We've got different parents and they've had different styles, yes. But besides that, you know, we're just young at a time where, you know, everything's changing and we're not willing to work for that evil boss um, yeah. if they treat us badly because, you know, we know that that's not okay. Um, whereas maybe that's previously tough. people didn't get exposed to, maybe they didn't have the options, maybe they didn't have the perception of the options. Maybe the internet has been the biggest eye-opener of opportunities yes. and showing what can actually happen. And I think there's the fact that you could go online and type in the world's coolest jobs and have a look at like different jobs that you might not have never even conceived right. could have been a job. But you know, 25 years ago, you couldn't have done that. That's you know, right. If there was a cool job, it might have been told by someone that you knew, or you might have been, you know, exposed to that job. But you know, you you were limited in some capacity to imagination and word of mouth. Not now. And and I think the internet has has affected Gen Y as it has a lot of generation. And I think that has been part of the reason we've had such a enormous cultural shift is we can see the sweatshops yeah that's right it's so much more transparent yeah like i mean mm. it can go both ways it can also be very manipulative mm. and and can you know um misleading and mm. but the majority of times is if you know the fact that even in afghanistan and in syria and in you know ukraine right now they're having all the issues um mm. The, the, the poor, impoverished, the despondent youth, they have iPhones. Yes. <laughs> and they're taking photos and they're posting those yeah. photos. And that is yeah. the first time that, you know, this has existed because usually in those wars or in the conflict in, you know, third world countries or, or um, you know, countries that weren't necessarily Western, 
yes. that level of accountability isn't there because of the effect of me, like you know the, the shutdown of uh, international Western media into these in- places, and now they can't do that, and now it is on the front page news, and and now there is that level of awareness that these things are happening and this is the result and it's not necessarily what you're reading in a newspaper because this is actually the reality and I think you know that on every single level has has a you know given us such a a wide appreciation and awareness of actually what is the reality and why we shouldn't have to accept substandard uh, treatment behavior um you know, because, you know, there is evidence that there's something a bit better out there. So anyway, I've again, I've gone off on a tangent. That's okay. That's fine. It's just I find it interesting because I think we've been also um, Stacey Ashley, who you know, mm-hmm. um, Stacey and I do a lot of work with a program called The Science of Happiness at Work. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I do it with, as part of a leadership program but also health and wellbeing programs mm-hmm. with organisations. But it's about people getting that alignment that I'm feeling like I'm becoming the best that I can be in this job. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not progressing or growing or achieving my potential, then I will look at other opportunities because the transparency of life out there is in my face every single day. That's right. And so, like you said, through you know the net and photos or you've got friends going to Facebook oh my god look what they get to do you know so it creates this kind of you know sometimes not grass is greener but if I did that then I would grow I would learn I'm becoming who I can be and which is all identity and purpose and why I'm here and like you said there's a real connection to like yourself which is what does this mean for me? Who am I? What do I stand for? Which then comes back to all the questions around, like you said, with T-shirts and how much I spend. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot more conscious awareness, mm-hmm. I think, just as a result of, of that. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And and social media brings that level of accountability to the decisions that we make. You That's know, right. I remember... Um, looking on TripAdvisor the other day for a place in Bali Um, Mm -hmm. and one of the reviews were, uh, they were unbelievable because they were saying, oh, they were so offended that they, to get to the hotel, they had to drive past, um, you know, the poor Mm -hmm. places that people serving them all day, quite frankly, were living and they were offended by that and that was a bad thing of their review. And to me, that's where the accountability of our actions and our words comes in because, you know, previously that might have just been a phone conversation to a friend or whatever and if they're not going to, you know, call them up or being, you know, just just kind of sad and disgusting at the same time. Um, But, you know, they posted that and, and, you know, they were given it because, you know, hang on, these people are the ones that you're right going there because it's cheap and all of that sort of stuff and these people that are waiting on you hand and foot all day and and you're offended by going past their house, like, whoa. (laughs) And I think, you know, whether it's that extreme or, you know, I don't know, being you're just accountable by the clothes that you buy or by the things that you do or the way that you choose to spend your time or 
you know, and I think that social media it doesn't necessarily convey the truth. In fact, I very rarely see it convey the truth. It's it's why it's weird and warped. But it does offer that level of accountability. I mean, the other day I posted on my personal Facebook page, there was this car sticker that just made me furious. And it said, um, so you're a feminist, isn't that cute? And I was, I don't know why it bugged me so much. Oh. I know. I was um, talking to a, a, a female colleague about um, a project we're doing called The Last Frontier um, about the idea of female equality and while that's gender equality actually is not attainable and, and the idea of feminism being confused in this latest generation, people don't actually know where they sit and what it means. And um, and so I guess I'd had that conversation that day, so it was fresh in my mind and seeing that was, I found, I was really offended by it. And um, I was luckily I was sitting at lights, so I t- took a photo of it and posted, uh, so you're a caveman, isn't that tragic? Because I was able to provide that level of a game. Whoever was driving it probably never knew that he was being made accountable, but yet he was. Yes. And certainly for anyone that might have been inclined to buy a sticker like that and that was associated to me or was one of my friends would definitely think twice about doing that and letting me see them because they, you know, I I was able to make that on that occasion the idea of that kind of misogynism, I suppose. Yeah. you know, transparent. And was, we had another one. There was a massive car, and it was this horrible car that you know that is just going to be so bad for the the environment. And it literally had uh, the middle finger up, and it says um, "F you" to the environment. And yeah, you know, oh. yeah. Wow. Um, what are these people thinking? <laughs> and you know, again, I did the same thing. I was, I was like, it's a classy act, and then it's. In social media, the ability to see these people and, and to be able to say that's not acceptable. Upworthy is the best website for that because that all they do is post call-outs to either people that have done awesome things and have put someone else in their place. Wow. Um, you know, yesterday I watched a fabulous one um, about this guy trying to claim for benefits because he played, he rolled his ankle in college football and was claiming that that was serving his country and was getting all these disability pensions and he was trying to justify it against a woman that had lost both her legs and her arm and she put him in the place and it was so perfect because it was so intellectually done and, <laughs> you know, but it was awkward because it was in a Senate hearing and but oh, that's wow. where it was great because places like, you know, where it's it's not just Upworthy, there's so many of them. WikiLeaks is an example on one end of the stream is, you know, we have accountability now. People, even governments, even FBI's can't keep it away. You know, we've got WikiLeaks. There is, That's right. for better or for worse, there's accountability. And you take that photo of yourself in that, you know, compromising position when you're 17 or whatever age you are. And, you know, there's, there's serious consequences, consequences that might never leave you. And, um while that sometimes is a bit scary at the same point it's a change and I think it's a change probably for the better in the terms of we're we're better we're more aware of our position and our potential and what's right and wrong and um, while that does sort of shift um, you know the push for for equality in gay marriage is is showing that the consensus of the individuals that live on this planet is more towards why aren't we doing it and yet the fact that it's not being approved on the upper end sort of speaks volumes and I think inevitably that will have to change because of that pressure, because of that awareness and and that public, you know, cohesion in terms of yeah. this isn't okay. So, um, yeah, there's 
there's a lot of change. I don't think Gen Y embody it. I think it's just the change and we're young. So, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we've, we've chatted a lot about it. Thank you very much, Jane, for, for coming in. Um, it's, oh, that's my pleasure. I think everyone will be delighted by your chapter. It is very interesting. You touch a lot on, um, you know, the fact that Gen Y are not necessarily the entrepreneurs that we think that they are, and but that we are taking a definite different approach to our careers and career development. Um, so if anyone wants to contact you, what is the best place to get you on? Um, they're welcome to jump on my website. So it's Jane, J-A-N-E hyphen Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. So Jane hyphen Anderson.com.au and all the contact details are on there. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for having a chat with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. And that was our chat with the lovely Jane Anderson, co-author of Understanding Why. Understanding Why will be on sale 1st of July 2014. My name is Charlie Caruso. Thanks for tuning in.